to the Thrive Podcast. I'm Kathleen Drennan, corporate executive turned creative entrepreneur. In this podcast, I'll share all we've learned about marketing, money, and managing your mindset. I'll provide you with the tools and templates you can use today to grow your business and move one step closer to creating your best life. Ladies, you got this. Morning, which is true currently but may not be true when you're listening to this. How are you? What's shaking? I am going to just jump into a few bits and pieces this week. We're on episode number 41, which is a bit nut butter, but that's so cool. I wanted to share with you five of the biggest mistakes I've made in growing our flower business, and I'm going to tell you what, it was hard to narrow it down to five, (laughs) because there have been some very big mistakes and I just wanted to pull together what I think might be the most helpful for you listening on the other end of this podcast tube system. Um, Before I get into all that though I want to share the review of the week from my people over in Alberta at the Little Green Leaf Micro Farm. New favorite podcast I'll definitely be sharing these in my flower farming groups. Short but sweet, lovely, beautiful review. Thank you guys so much over at the Little Green Leaf Micro Farm. And I had to Google, this is an embarrassing Canadian fact, I had to Google Strathmore, Alberta, because I was like, I know where it is like vaguely, but where actually is it? So, small town outside of Calgary, Alberta. And if anyone cares, my aunt and uncle live over in Drumheller. So, there you go. If anybody's in that neck of the woods, hunt them down, say hi, they're lovely, beautiful people, and they'll be like, what are you even talking about when they come up to you? Or sorry, when you go up to them and say, hey, we know Kathleen, they'll be like, hmm, what? Anyway, small world, isn't it? But that's the thing. So, I don't know, I'm really reflecting on this, this whole idea of this movement that we're creating in this underground flower space and small but mighty but it's such a good experience and it's been so much fun and who knows where we're going to be when we're on episode 82 but here we are episode 41 and I have been spending this week we are going to be getting back into wedding season come this Friday and so this week I'm trying to get as much head down bum up work done on our new business masterclass for florists and on Monday I had an a bit it wasn't definitely wasn't as dramatic as an emotional meltdown but this almost sitting at my computer and a hurricane of rage a hurricane of rage at where this industry has gotten us to but also realizing that there's so much opportunity to share and talk and nobody in this little bubble of flowering talks about business. And this is a world that I come from. This is my thing. My friend Katie asked me the other day when we were together, she said, if you could do anything, what would it be? And I said, I would sit around and talk about business with people. So this is what I'm doing is I'm going to sit around and talk about business with you because you've discovered this little podcast Because you're into the flower business and somebody's either told you about it or you found it on your own, which is just kind of amazing. Thank you and full-on gratitude for technology. 
but this whole idea of recognizing and appreciating that you are in the business of flowers. And in this whole world of pulling together our business masterclass, knowing there's so much information that I have in my head and so much experience that we have from our full-on hardcore corporate marketing and business background and how it can apply to your business no matter what sector you're focused on. So one of the things that I'm absolutely loving is we are repackaging our business masterclass so that you can participate regardless of what piece of the market you want to play in. So funerals, growing flowers, putting on workshops, doing weddings, events, everyday flowers, whether you have a retail shop, whether you don't have a retail shop, doesn't matter because we are literally outlining the five steps that you need to take to grow and build your flower business. And link is in the show notes for you to sign up to be the first to know when registration opens, but I just cannot even begin to tell you guys how incredibly excited I am to share all this good stuff with you. And it really makes me appreciate the fact that I have been through a lot of not so good experiences in the last five years of trying to make the most of this flower business that we have. And I want to share with you guys today what I would consider my top five biggest mistakes. And as I said before, there have been tons in and amongst this, but hopefully this is useful to you guys because it's useful to me to realize how far this business has come. And in being the random person who decides it's a good idea to go to flower school and then buy a retail flower business and on the side decide to grow and start a boutique wedding and events business on the side. It's crazy, but obviously we did quite a few things right if we managed to increase the revenue of both of those businesses by more than six figures. So I attribute most of that, if not all of that, to our own business experience and being able to just walk into a brand new industry, apply very sound business and marketing skills, and it works. So here we go in talking about the five biggest mistakes I think we made in building this business. Mistake number one, coming in with the assumption that you need to recreate or create exactly the reference photos that your customers have supplied you. So here's the thing, particularly if you're focused on weddings and events, somebody will have sent you an inquiry saying, can you please make me A, B, and C? I've attached reference photos, give me a cost. So the big mistake here is assuming that you are a widget maker and that you simply take everybody else's photos and recreate that as closely as possible. I tell you what, it's incredibly stressful. Like, incredibly stressful because you've committed to something and then you've painted yourself into this little box that you have to go to the market or order from your wholesaler or hope that something grows and magically pops out of the ground to be able to exactly or as closely possible replicate the reference photo supplied to you by your potential client. 
today we treat that aspect of our business so differently. So much more around taking the opportunity to educate our clients on the fact that flowers do not come from a machine, that we work to the seasons that Mother Nature provides, and that we will very rarely, some exceptions, ever commit to specifically what's in an arrangement or what's in a bouquet. So instead of just saying yes to whoever emails us, putting in the time and effort and energy, and the first stop is literally turning back to them and saying, you need to realize and acknowledge and appreciate that Mother Nature has seasons. And yes, it's very likely that you can get import roses 365 days of the year. However, if our good friend Kim Kardashian decides to throw the most epic party of all parties for one of her children, and it needs to involve every single red rose that has ever been grown on this planet, that is not something that you can control. I have so much faith in our wholesalers and the businesses in Australia that are dealing with import-export that I'm sure we can get some sort of red rose should we need it. However, there is this whole behind-the-scenes ebb and flow of flower availability that you as an individual business owner and flower fairy do not have direct control over. So this whole idea of simply responding to the photo that somebody sends you and saying you can replicate that exactly is a very stressful environment to operate in. You are absolutely 100% allowed to go back to your prospective client and say, hey, thanks so much for the inspiration photo. Because Mother Nature has seasons and there's a whole world of import-export flower availability that you may or may not be able to have direct access to, blah, 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 we'll use your photo as inspiration, but it may end up looking more like this, this, or this. This is particularly true. Taking this approach is even better if you feel you want to move down the path of defining your own specific aesthetic. So if somebody comes to you with a really tight posy of roses and blue Singapore orchids, then if you decide that you want to move down the path of very natural, organic, a little bit wild, some call it boho, you have every right to go back to that prospective client and say, hey, thanks so much for getting in touch. If you want to work with us, our work is going to look a little bit more like A, B, and C. We can certainly use your color palette for inspiration, but, and then explain your process to them. That absolutely, I would say, is one of the biggest mistakes I made in the beginning, is assuming that you needed to just simply make products on the customer's demand. And it's a weird mindset to adopt because absolutely, absolutely, when you employ 10 staff members, your biggest concern and what keeps you up at night is making sure that there is a consistent road of revenue that is coming in. However, it also creates completely undue stress and it's a missed opportunity for this industry and it's a missed opportunity for you and your business to not educate every client that comes through the door around flower availability and seasonality. So as a total aside, 
if you do want to take the path of defining your own aesthetic, identifying your own design style, do all of the good things, I would definitely encourage you to download my intentional practice worksheet. So I have started back on the good old Instagram lives Tuesday. It's going to be now at 2.30 on Tuesday afternoons here in the Australasia time. But Tuesday afternoons, I'll be doing Instagram lives and going through my own intentional practice every single week. And the whole point of this intentional practice is A, setting a very clear intention for what the practice is. So that could be learning about color, texture, how specific ingredients behave in certain ways, trying out a new mechanic or a new vessel, looking at how ingredients combine together, or even trying to figure out how many stems need to go into a particular vessel. Those are all things I will definitely go through on the Instagram lives. But if you want to, if you want to grab the worksheet that I use to go with it, just click the link in the show notes and you'll download it. You'll be taken straight to the PDF and you can download it. And you definitely don't need to print out 8 million copies of that worksheet. You can just start a notebook and make notes in your notebook around your own intentional practice and what you loved about it and what you learned from it. So it's something I really wish I had started 8,000 years ago, but no time like the present. So definitely, if you want to move down that path of defining your own aesthetic, your own design style, or you want to just simply learn and practice and refine your skills, which I highly recommend... Just download the worksheet in the attached link. All free, all easy to get. So mistake number one is assuming that you need to create exactly what the customer is demanding or the images that they're sending through in their reference material. Mistake number two, saying yes to everything. So I'm a little bit torn because I do believe that I learned so much because I said yes to everything, but I absolutely know it distracted me from focusing in on the things that actually drove revenue in the first 24 months of our business. So when you're that new to floristry and you decide to take on a really high volume, busy retail shop, you are literally thrown in the deep end. And as a Canadian recovering people pleaser, you were just going to default to saying yes to everything. So that meant yes to some very weird and funky wedding designs. It meant yes to doing completely small volume, really long delivery time shop orders. It meant saying yes just to some really bizarro things that probably verge more on arts and crafts than they do floristry. In many cases, it meant a lot to the people who ordered the product. But if I think back to how my time was best spent, probably not necessarily the smartest idea to be doing like $30 posy deliveries to places that are like 50 kilometers away. So the whole idea of just assuming that with every opportunity that comes in the door, you have to say yes. All I would encourage you to do is pause, even for three seconds, and say, do I have to do this? Or could you point that potential customer in a better direction? 
So we have learned in the last 12 months, I think, the value of saying no, but providing an alternative solution to your potential customer. And in many cases, when you're saying no, you're saying no to revenue, but being able to turn around and say, hey, these people over here could probably help you. One example, and this might be a small town example, but the whole idea of people calling you to say, hey, can you blow up our helium balloons for us and then drop them off at this venue because we're having a hen's weekend. So we would just say yes to that automatically. And it's a really weird thing because you're a flower shop, right? So, but just think about old school traditional floristry because we still do helium balloons, particularly delivering to the hospital for get well soon and congratulations new baby and To be honest, if somebody sent me a bouquet of helium balloons, I think it would just be so fun. So I'm a fan of it. However, somebody else bringing in their own helium balloons that you then need to blow up. And yes, you're charging them for it. But there are so many like little things that could go wrong. And honestly, is it the best use of your staff's time? Simply asking the question, is this a good use of your time and energy? You are absolutely allowed to say yes and then turn around and say, I'm never going to do that again because that is how you learn. But just simply pause, take a deep breath, count to three and say, is this a good use of my time and energy? This little tidbit is so particularly true. If you are trying to build a business that is all about everyday flower deliveries, if somebody calls, you don't have any flowers, but somebody calls and says, hey, can I get a delivery of her $60 bouquet down to such and such street? You need to, if you're lucky, have access to a grower or a wholesaler that's within a reasonable distance. Go out there, grab those flowers, make the bouquet, and then deliver it. I'm not sure if all of that time and energy plus the physical costs of the petrol in the car and your time about going out to the wholesaler and then coming back is worth the $60 price point. Absolutely, you could argue otherwise, and if you believe it's the right thing to do for your business because you're trying to get it off the ground, then go for it. But simply pause and ask yourself the question. Is it worth your time and energy? So I 100% believe that saying yes to opportunities will lead you to the path of really being able to identify what it is you want to be doing with your time, and it really identifies your particular design style. I vividly remember doing a wedding that featured calla lilies, and they are particularly hard to work with, I find. And in the style of work I want to be doing, I would find some very specific ways of incorporating them, and I can understand and appreciate now way more how I would feature them, but simply going out and assuming that you can go and replicate somebody else's work or that you need to replicate somebody else's work because you've said yes to this client isn't necessarily what you have to do. If that's what you want to do, absolutely, you go for it. You do you. I am simply saying, open your eyes and give yourself permission to allow yourself to find a different way. It doesn't necessarily have to be that way. You don't have to say yes to everything and you don't have to 
assume that you need to simply recreate a design that somebody else has made. You absolutely do not have to. Yes, you are allowed to. And yes, I am saying if that's what you want to do, go for it. But no, you do not have to. Point number three, big mistake that we made from the very beginning is not focusing in on having clear processes and systems. You can imagine having a team of 10 different staff members flying in and out, people not really know what's happening, not having clear processes and procedures, left a lot of wasted time and energy and talk about inefficient. Oh my goodness, like literal waste of money because you're paying your staff and they're standing around because you haven't put in the time and energy to document your processes and procedures. And thank you to my beautiful accountant because he put himself through university by working at McDonald's. And McDonald's is the master of process and procedure. They literally set their businesses up. Their like store managers get paid a bucket of money because they are integral to the system and process and procedures of making sure that that franchisee makes good money. But then every other thing is documented and they know that their staff turnover is going to be pretty high. So they need to have everything documented. So if you're going into McDonald's and you're going to make a hamburger, you could literally open up a book and it will show you picture by picture, step by step, exactly what McDonald's expectation is as to what that hamburger looks like when it comes out the other side. If you take that mentality and put it into your business, then when you get to the point of wanting to have people help you, whether it's two hours a week or two hours a month, you will have documented and outlined your expectations and your exact process and procedures to make that happen. So that when you have somebody come in, you can literally hand over the manual and say, here, make these things, here's the book, here's how you do it, I'm going to go out for a boozy lunch. Now, I know none of you are going to do that, but you could. And I know, trust me when I tell you, it feels like an absolute waste of time and energy to document it, but I so wish I had started that process earlier. So start when you're in the newest stages of your business. If you are growing flowers, write it all down. Trust me when I tell you, you're not going to remember 12 months from now what week you planted your sweet peas on and what you might do next time based on the observations of having gone through this growing season. So don't underestimate the value of writing it all down. If you're going and you've just done your 10th ceiling installation, write it down. This whole mentality and what I preach in my intentional practice worksheet is reflecting on your work and finding three things that you loved about it and three things that you learned. If you simply put in the energy to write down three things you loved about that wedding consultation and three things that you learned, that means that the next time you have a wedding flower consultation, you are starting off on such a more proactive space. It means that your next wedding consultation is going to be at least 50 to 80 percent better than your last one. And if you did that with every process and procedure that you have in your business, gee whiz, 
In 12 months time, you will not even recognize your business. So mistake number three is not focusing in on the processes and systems. And if you are a one woman show, I still recommend that you do this because I cannot even begin to tell you the joy and satisfaction that I feel in having somebody else come in and help with the work and be part of this journey with me. So focus in on the processes and procedures because then you can sit down with the people that you want to employ and talk them through exactly what you do, why you do it, and how they can replicate the same output. Mistake number three. And mistake number four. This is what I love. Putting too much emphasis on each and every new customer inquiry that we got. So shifting your mindset away from thinking you have to make the most of every opportunity that walks through the door and instead focus more on generating more customers. So I will say there absolutely is finding a balance between over-delivering for your existing customers but not necessarily assuming that with every customer that walks through the door that they are going to be your greatest gift to your business for the next chunk of time. Focus much more on generating a volume of inquiries or a volume of phone calls, a volume of hits to your website, and then help yourself sift through the shit faster. This is particularly true if you're working on weddings and events. So the responsible adult thing to do if you are a bride is to go out and get multiple quotes. I highly encourage it because if you were going to get your kitchen renovated, you're not necessarily just going to phone the first guy who's in the phone book or the first guy who lands on Google. You, I would hope, are probably going to go out and get two or three different quotes. Your brides and your event managers and your planners may take the same approach. It is not a personal affront. It is nothing to do with your business. It is a responsible adult thing to do. But knowing that you're going to get more inquiries than you are bookings will encourage you to come up with a system to help you sift through the shit faster. No longer do we create custom mood boards and custom quotes for every single person who inquires. We have a very clear template system. People inquire, and even from that very first inquiry, if there's a couple questions that they've answered that I don't like the answer to, I will say that I'm busy, and please go talk to these people over here, here, or here who are better suited to your style, because you are allowed to do that. If they get through that first gatekeeping system, Then we go back to them with a fairly templated response and a very quick quote to make sure that they understand the service that we are providing them. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. There is no custom, bespoke, personalized solution based on what they're offering. They have to get through like two fairly big hurdles before we'll then even say, Oh, hey, yeah, no, if you want to jump on the phone, if you want to do this, if you want to have a consultation, like we need to be pretty close to booking them before we really actively pay a huge amount of 
emotional attention to them. And that may sound completely awful and you may decide that's not the way you want to go about it. But for our business, for where we're going and what we're doing, it works for us. Templates, templates, templates is how we make that happen. So that when we get a new inquiry, it's not about sitting down and spending four hours coming up with a custom quote and a custom mood board to never hear back from them again. It is simply a way that we have set up our process to help sift through the shit. So it's not about focusing in and making sure you land every inquiry that comes through the door. It's finding a system and a process to ensure that you're able to work with the right customers. Do the work that you want to be doing. Make very good money. And put your focus more on generating more leads rather than trying to book 100% of the people who do come your way. You have heard me talk about this before, but if you have a 25% close rate, so if you are able to book one in four of your inquiries, you are doing very well. I know some of you guys are operating at an even higher close rate because you have come up with a system that works for you. So absolutely, you could be operating at 50%, 75%. You could potentially even be operating at 100% close rate, which is amazing. Because I will congratulate you on the fact that you have come up with a system that works for you and your business. So don't feel like you have to or that you must or that you're going to get disappointed if you don't hear back from a potential client. Focus more on generating more leads and conquering your response process. That is a good one, my friend. And number five, this one is a big one, hiring. So many things that I learned in growing this business have to do with hiring and the importance of the people that you surround yourself with. And I will always say, hire for fit first, skill second, skill set second. I'm going to repeat myself. Hire for fit first, skill set second. I don't give a rat's ass if the people that work with us have their formal certification or their formal training at all. I want them to know that they need to align with our values. They need to believe in the goodness that we are creating and they need to accept the good and the bad of how I approach the world. This observation of making sure that the people that you physically surround yourself with and emotionally and virtually surround yourself with accept the good and the bad of you and your business and they buy into your vision is the single biggest piece of advice I wish that somebody had told me five years ago. So I'm telling you guys because it is so important I cannot even begin to tell you how important it is that you surround yourself with people who accept 
the good and the bad and who buy into your approach and your vision for the world. Whether you're just starting out in your business and you've got somebody who's going to come deliver flowers for you or help you prep your product or wash your buckets or write your greeting cards, they need to buy into your philosophical approach and your value system. If they are formally trained in floristry, is sort of irrelevant. And I know you're going to say, but Kathleen, I need somebody to help me do my setups. I need somebody to help me with my installations. I need somebody to help do orders. Okay, well, here's a hot tip. You can train a monkey to play with flowers. So much of the work that we do has nothing to do with design. So much so, I reckon that 80% of the time and energy you spend in your business and on your business have nothing to do with formal floral certification. You will probably spend as little as 20% of your time doing the beautiful floristry work, 80% of the time doing everything else. The most important thing that you can be doing as the senior florist and head designer and head of creative for your business is the actual design work, and then I would also say the recipes and the ingredient ordering, but everything else in and around it is where you can get other people to help you. We managed to get so many weddings done because we realized my time is better spent making the things and let's have everybody else prepping the product, sorting things out, organizing everything, packing the van, getting all the trained monkey stuff done. I can guarantee you it's the same in your business. So you need to find people who are super happy to stand around and wash buckets and pack the van and sweep the floor and strip the roses and haul buckets from one place to the next so that you can do and focus on the design work. And it means that you need to find people who will accept the good and the bad in all that you're doing. And here is a bonus hot tip, because again, I wish I'd started this sooner, but this was an idea that I got, again, from my friends at McDonald's. If you're out there looking for somebody to employ, put your free posting up on Craigslist or Gumtree or wherever it is you're going to post it, and point it to an application page on your website. Get people to do some work in putting their application together for you. So instead of people emailing you a CV and a cover letter, point them to your website and ask them very probing questions. So one thing that's really important to me is the people that I work with are hyper self-aware. They are people who are super into self-development. They know their Enneagram. They know their star sign. They know whether they're in... INTJ or whatever else you could possibly be. They do personality tests for shits and giggles. So being highly self-aware is really important to me and the people that I work with. Those are the types of questions that I encourage people to put on an application form. There is no right answer when somebody asks you what are your three weaknesses or what's an area for improvement in your life or how you approach your business. I simply want to know that you have an opinion. 
So I will post a link to the application form that we created for people applying for the shop, but it is a game changer. So instead of people simply sending you a CV and a cover letter and then you waste your time sitting down to meet with them saying, I don't even like you, get them to answer some questions on your website. Then you are going to have a way better interview experience because then you're only going to meet with the people who you actually are genuinely intrigued by. So that's a little fun bonus tip for you. So five mistakes, and I will repeat, there are so many more mistakes that we have made in the last five years, but I think these are probably the most helpful. So mistake number one, assuming by default that you need to replicate or recreate exactly what your customer is asking you to make. You are absolutely allowed to, but don't assume that you have to. Point number two, saying yes to everything. All I would suggest is count to three, take a deep breath and say, is this a good use of my time? Point number three, not focusing in on the processes and systems from the beginning. You are going to grow a flower empire and you are on a path to world domination. You need people and processes to help make that happen. Whether you're on day one or day 1001, you will want to bring people into your business to help you do your thing. Trust me when I say start focusing in on your systems and procedures from the beginning. Point number four, putting too much emphasis on each and every new customer or inquiry that we got so that I would spend hours doing mood boards and custom quotes and then never hearing back from them. No, thank you. No longer is that the way that we approach things. Put your emphasis and your energy on generating more leads and then create a system of templates and a process to help you sift through that shit quickly. Point number five, hiring. Hire for fit, first, skill second, second. And get people around you who buy into your vision and who accept the good and the bad of what it's like to work with you. And, hot tip, put an application form on your website so that you can make them ask some very, I should say, make them answer some very leading questions so that you can get a much better idea of who they are as peoples as peoples and one of the things that I was reflecting on the other day when I was pulling my notes together for this beautiful podcast episode was the fact that when you're in the early stages of your business when you're in that head down bum up growth 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 trying to get more leads through the door and trying to get your flowers out to the world One of the biggest realizations I had is that when you are a one-person band or a two-person band, there are 8 billion opportunities in the world. Should I be posting to Instagram? Should I be focusing on my website? Should I be looking to hire somebody? Should I be mastering my design mechanic? There are only 24 hours in a day. And trust me when I tell you, you need a good night's sleep. You need to make sure that you're exercising. You need to get outside and you need to fuel your body with good food. Oh, and don't forget to drink half your body weight in water. Now all of that takes up a lot of time. So the amount of time and energy that you have left over particularly that if you have children that you're looking after as well, the time and energy that you have left over is limited. And what we're doing in our business masterclass is bringing in the focus and outlining for you our exact five steps to help you build 
a profitable flower business so that you don't have to second guess. You don't have to question how you spend your time and energy. You'll know exactly what to do next. Oh, it's going to be magical. I'm so excited. So link is in the show notes or visit forflores.com. That's F-O-R-F-L-O-R-I-S-T-S.com. Sign up for the wait list and then you'll be the first to know when registration opens. Oh, I just so wish that this course existed four years ago, but I'm also happy to know. I'm very blessed to know that this is what I've been put on the earth to do, is to have gone through the last five years of pain and suffering and the good and the bad and the joys that came with it so I can patch it up and share it with you guys and that you don't have to repeat the same mistakes because nobody needs to go through that ever. (laughs) And I hope you have a beautiful day. If you're listening to this, please take a squick, a squick, a quick screen grab Tag me on the Instagrams at littlebirdbloom and let me know where you're listening in from because very quickly we're going to approach over 40 countries in this world and that's crazy. Crazy! And I hope you have a beautiful day. I will see you on Instagram. I will see you in our business masterclass. And if you have any questions, let me know. Have a beautiful day. Talk to you soon. Bye for now.